Hello and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today I will be talking about Portrait of a Scotsman by Evie Dunmore. As you all know, this has been a very anticipated read for me. Very nerve-wracking going into it. If you haven't listened to my other two episodes on this series, then what are you doing with your life? You are severely missing out. Yes, I did say severely. It's a mixture of severe and seriously, and it's one of my personal favorite mashup words that I use. I have not really heard, heard, why can't I speak? I've not really heard other people say it too often, but I enjoy it. So there you go. Anyways, if you are a long-time listener, a frequent listener, or you just noticed what the episode before this was, then you'll know that the previous episode was on Bringing Down the Duke by Evie Dunmore, which is the first book in the League of Extraordinary Women series. I had previously, last October, done a episode on A Rogue of One's Own, which was the second book, and now today I am doing an episode on Portrait of a Scotsman, which is the third book. It came out in September. You're hearing this episode in November because I, for some reason, got really into the Halloween spirit, which is kind of shocking because I'm not a huge seasonal reader or a huge Halloween person, but I ended up reading some uh, seasonal Halloween reads, so I ended up pushing back these the last week's episode and this episode. So you're going to be hearing this probably a month or more after I've recorded it. But say la vie, that's life. So if you don't know, this book is about Hattie Greenfield and her family are really rich business merchant people in the 1880s Britain, England, whatever, you get the idea. And her love interest is named Lucian Blackstone and he is kind of a black market, but up and coming new money businessman. And he was into some shady dealings, but is now trying to legitimize himself. And he decides the way to do that is by marrying Hattie. So he sets his trap. And then this story starts, well, it doesn't start, but they end up getting married, which is not a spoiler that is in the um, description of the book. And then the story goes from there and their marriage and what's going on there. Very interesting because in the previous two books, these the marriage is a conversation that's going on. Will marriage happen? Will it not happen? And instead of having to wait to the end to see what happens, we're finding out right in the beginning, which really allows this book to be different than the other two in a cool and different way. So I'm really excited to talk about it. I did really enjoy this book a lot, and so I would definitely recommend it. Some warnings. If you're related to me, this book has a it's a romance, so you know what that means, so you probably don't want to listen to this. Second, if you don't want Portrait of a Scotsman by Evie Dunmore to be spoiled, stop here, go read the book. Like I said, I'd recommend it, and then come back and listen to this, because I'm about to launch into my plot summary. So, like I said, the book, I kind of mentioned the premise. So, like, in the last book, you know that Hattie has gone to see some art collection, and something mysterious happened. At the beginning of this book, she goes to see an art, a private art collection, which ends up being at Lucien's house, and it got canceled, but she didn't know that because she didn't get her correspondence to say that, and she shows up alone, unchaperoned, is let in, and Lucien's led to believe she's there for a ronde- rendezvous, you know, to have some sex, instead of knowing she's there for the art thing. So he ends up kissing her. She like pushes him away. And then in his mind, he realizes, bam, this is the way I become more respectable. I marry a Greenfield. And so, cause her family is really 
respected and has been kind of business people for about 100 years. So while they are not landed aristocracy and official and respected in that way, they're not new blood and they have some like ties that he doesn't have. So he really wants to tap into that. So he decides to lay a trap for her. Not Lucy, so sorry. The fact that we have Lucy and also Lucian is rude. I know in real life, things like that happen. Like you have friends with the same names, like whatever. However, in books, I feel like we could avoid that. But that is besides the point irrelevant. So then Hattie, meanwhile, is freaking out and is talking with Catriona about it. And she's also having a crisis because she realizes his her art because Hattie is the artist. She's the girly girl. She likes fashion. However, she's very under the thumb of her mother and also the rest of her family. They Her mom picks out her clothes still and deciding what sort of dresses she can wear and what colors she can wear, which she absolutely hates because her mom has horrible fashion sense. Although Hattie has an interesting fashion sense herself. And, um, like, they kind of tell her what to do, whatever. So she is all in the mindset of she wants, um, in Pride and Prejudice, whatever, not, um, wow, why are these names escaping me? The, not the main character, not Elizabeth, not, she doesn't want Mr. Darcy. She wants Mr. Darcy's friend that Elizabeth's sister marries. I can't remember what his name is, though. Because he's kind of lame and boring. But she wants somebody like that. And she's trying to get an aristocrat marriage, you know, marry some landed gentry and whatnot. But she's also having a crisis because she's like, my art, her professor only ever calls her art lovely. And she's like, my art is boring. Like, I want something more. And so then her parents end up like having a... uh, get together thing and Lucian ends up being invited because her dad wants to do business with him and get Lucian to sell him his uh shares in the Spanish railroad and so he ends up coming you know because he's setting this trap and they have a nice conversation blah 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 and then he ends up inviting Lucy and her mother to actually go see the art this time so they end up going and why did I say Lucy again Hattie and her mother oh my god They end up going, but Hattie breaks off from the group to go see this portrait that she really wanted to see in the first place. I don't remember what it's called. Oh, the Ophelia. And so she's looking at it and Lucian comes in, takes advantage of the situation and they kiss. But, but Hattie leans in and that is like a whole thing surrounding this that she leaned in and everybody saw it because the people came into the room as that was happening so now she's got to marry him she's very distraught she does not want to marry him but they end up sitting down and she still doesn't want to marry him but she like talks to him and learns some stuff about him and she's like okay i guess it could be worse and she also talks to lucy and lucy's like if he's awful here's all this information you can go to the continent and i can make you disappear remember she did that in the first the second book for tristan's mom anyways So she takes that information. They end up getting married. They do not have a traditional wedding night, which is something I will talk about later. When she decides she's not ready, he backs off and is giving her time, which, you know, we love a man who understands consent. So that's fabulous. And then um, something, oh, what happens is that Lucien has this friend named Aoife, spelled A-O-I-F-E. It's an Irish name, I think. I I looked it up because I was like, how the heck do you say this? I'm pretty sure it's Aoife. And so 
she comes over and is telling Lucian that somebody broke in and robbed her place. Now, Hattie misinterprets the whole thing and thinks Lucian has a mistress. However, Aoife is a lesbian and has a life partner. And so that is not what's going on. So she gets really upset and she decides she's going to leave and run to France. Lucian, meanwhile, is like, nah, not about this. Ends up intercepting her and bringing him with, bringing her with him to Scotland because he has bought a mine there and he is going to like, it's a failing mine. He's going to see how he can resuscitate it, whatever. He specifically bought it from a Lord Rutland who he absolutely hates and is like really doing damage to his um, credibility and standing in society, which that's why people don't like Lucian or Blackstone, whatever. Um, Hattie's the only one able to call him Lucian. Also, interestingly, Lucian really only calls her Harriet because Hattie's real name is Harriet, but Hattie's her nickname, everyone calls her. And I thought that was also an interesting side point, side plot, no, whatever. And so they end up in Scotland. And at this point, Hattie's like upset about um, Aoife. She also, I can't remember exactly when it happens, but she finds out that Lucian tricked her basically into marrying him and that he had this whole plan that he didn't plan the kiss, but you know, she kind of wanted that kiss. So that did occur. And he's like, it worked with my plans. And so she's like really upset with him, understandably so. They're in Scotland. She doesn't really like it at first, but then she ends up meeting all the different miners and her and Lucian have a lot of very interesting political conversations, both about women's rights as well as class and mining and the working class and intersectionality and how that, how being poor intersects with being able to be a feminist at the time and things like that. Really interesting. I'll get into that as well. Not something I expected to see in this book. And Hattie ends up convincing Lucian to buy her a camera because she wants to take portraits of all of these different people in the mining communities because there was an accident and some people almost died and they don't have any portraits like um, drawn or painted and they don't have any pictures of each other either. So how do you remember them when they're gone? And so she starts this project, and then in the meantime, the two of them finally are like, they're getting to know each other better, they fall into the feelings, they consummate their marriage a lot, and then they have a really big fight. Because what ends up happening is, I mentioned this Lord Rutland man, and so basically when the, I I said that there was like an accident at the mine, well, I forgot to, I mentioned it a little bit too early. That actually ends up happening later and it, it kind of stirs this conflict. And so uh, Hattie says, please don't go after him, whatever. And he promises to try. And this is before the accident happens. Then the accident happens and Lucian's like, I cannot. And Hattie's not sure why he's so upset with him. And like, we don't know that either really as readers, even though this is dual perspective. We're in both of their heads. Although more Hattie's perspective than Lucian's perspective. And so then they get the news that Rutland has died. It's heavily implied that he committed suicide. However, not directly stated. Basically, Lucian calls in the debts and instead of facing them, he kills himself. And so Lucy, oh my God, why do I keep saying Lucy? It's this Lucy Lucian thing. Hattie gets really upset. They fight about it. Some mean words, I think, are said, and she leaves him, and she goes back to England, back to London. Now, also, meanwhile, 
Lucian has this uh, right-hand assistant guy named Matthews who has this gambling issue. And he's also, like, the third son of, like, a baron or a lord or something. Like, like, so he's technically an aristocrat, but he doesn't have any land. And he was in jail for being, you know, a gambler and not being able to pay his debt. So he came to Scotland for a bit, whatever, and then he went back. Lucy, oh, my God. Hattie goes back to the house and ends up having a conversation with Aoife where they clear the air and they understand what's going on. And she's like, oh, okay, I guess we're cool now. And then Aoife gives her a letter and is like, can you give this to Lucian when he gets back? And it's basically about the robbery that it was Matthews who did it. And so then Hattie hears a noise in the study and she thinks it's Lucian who's come back. And Aoife also reveals to Hattie that the reason why Lucian hated Lord Rutland so much was he was in charge of the mine that his mom and sister died in. So Lucian came from poor background. His family were miners. And then when his mom and his sister died, his stepfather gave him away. He's the bastard son of a lord or something like that, I think. I felt like it should be Lord Rutland was his actual father, but I don't think that was actually true. That just felt right to me, but I guess I made that up. And so then he ends up living on the streets and becoming an apprentice to an um, antiques dealer. And then he ends up selling that shop and starting his like black market deals and fighting whatever, blah, 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 which he has mostly abandoned at this point and is trying to be legit, hence marrying Hattie, whatever. And so um, she thinks he's come back and she wants to apologize. Turns out it's Matthews who pulls a gun on her. Lucian does show up when Matthews is like trying to force her to write a letter telling Lucian that she's like left him. However, another thing I didn't mention is that Hattie definitely has dyslexia as well as probably dyscalculia, which is dyslexia is like when you have trouble reading where letters kind of either invert themselves, they might like come off the page. And then dyscalculia is the same thing with numbers. Like they kind of go in different orders, things like that. And that's something that's been mentioned throughout the book and is also very interesting. And it's great to see that representation. So anyways, Matthew ends up getting mad with her and writes the letter himself. Then Lucian shows up. There's a showdown and he ends up saving her. They don't end up killing Matthews, but uh, tell him he has to leave the continent. Otherwise, then he will be killed, basically, either by Lucian or by the people who are trying to collect his debt. And because he got mad, basically, that he was like, Lucian shouldn't have this money. I'm better than him because I'm an aristocrat, blah, blah, blah. And so he decided to steal from him and whatever, whatever. Then, shockingly, so then Lucian and Hattie make up. Hattie goes off to see her friends and comes back. And when Lucy, while she was gone, Lucian finds a letter that's Hattie, or finds some written stuff of Hattie's that basically are her plans to go to France. And he's like, what is this about? She's like, I'm leaving you. I want a, I don't know what it was called, but it was like a divorce, but it wasn't a divorce. But it was kind of like a legal separation, basically. And he was like, what? And she was like, yeah, you still tricked me into this marriage and I need to like, finally know who I am without a father or a husband telling me who to be. He ends up agreeing. And so then she goes to France. And then the next chapter, it's like six months later. And then he show, she's been teaching um, women in France how to take photographs, which is pretty cool. And then he shows up and like makes an apology. And then they confess that they're still in love with each other. And then the epilogue is finally she's doing her... Um, showing of all the portraits she took of the Scottish mine workers 
and that money's going back to the community and they had approved all the photos that she had shown and you learn that um Lucian has actually proposed to Hetty again and she said yes so now they're going to be married for real this time and that is how the book goes so let's get into the discussion section you know what I'm about to do we're about to begin at the end one of my favorite segments to do something I do all the time especially when the ending bothers me now I want to stay straight up right away that I really really liked this book a lot like I was Really, I had really high expectations for it, and for the most part, it definitely hit those expectations. If you, you may or may not know that Bring Down the Duke is one of my all-time favorite books, and I love it so much. A Rogue of One's Own, which is the second book, did not do it for me because I didn't care for Lucy and Tristan that much. The main two characters, like especially the male love interest, I did not like. So I was like excited for this book because I really enjoyed Hattie in the other two books. And so I was excited to see what her story was. And I really did enjoy it. But the ending felt weirdly rushed slash out of place. And so let me explain what I mean by this. So at first you have the whole like showdown with Matthews, which we were kind of building up to. That wasn't that surprising. Basically what I thought was going to happen is that was going to happen like once Once we see her meeting Matthews, I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. That they make up an epilogue. That's really, I didn't expect this whole last minute throwing in the fact that she's leaving him and going to France. And it really threw me for a loop. And I think the reason why is that it kind of came out of nowhere. Now, Hattie does mention earlier in the book, during the first half, that she does want to leave him. And originally she's going to like leave him like secretively like run away, which she tries to do and he stops. Then when she gets to Scotland, she sends a letter that yes, she's still coming to France, but this is still when she's mad at him, like before they've made up and fallen in love and whatever. Then all of a sudden at the end, they make up and then she's like, oh, by the way, I'm actually leaving you and going to France. What? I think my issue is not that she wants to leave and go to France, but that it just came out of left field. It would have been totally fine if... I think it needed to be hinted more heavily that she still wanted to leave him when they were in love during the like middle to like end portion right like after they finally have sex like at that point like in between that and then the conflict it should have still been hinted at that while she has feelings for him and likes him she's still upset about how the marriage started which that is said but like get into that a little bit more and hint that even though she's still she's starting to develop feelings for him she still wants to leave and figure out who she is and still be able to be courted the way she wants and like whatever and basically once they fall in love in the middle of the book all of that goes away and so you think that it's just gonna end and be like happily ever after they're together whatever yay and that is not what happens all of a sudden left field she wants to leave And like I said, my issue is that it just felt rushed because then there's not anything. So she leaves and then the very next chapter after she's left is six months later, Lucien shows up, they make up and she goes back to London. And so like you don't get anything from this. Like we don't get any development. We're not hearing from Lucien like during the time she's gone, like, he briefly explains, like, what he's been up to and how he's changed and what realizations he's come to. 
And Hattie does a similar thing because it's from her perspective. So you're seeing those things, right? But like, we don't actually get anything from that other than like four pages of them either saying it or we're like reading about it, like from mental like descriptions, mental dialogue, narrative, whatever. And so that was, that bugged me because I was like, if we're going to have this plot point, I A, want to see it coming because this is a romance, not a mystery slash thriller. Like, I don't need to be absolutely shocked by like what's happening. So I need that. And then the other thing I need is that if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Let's actually see how this plays out, right? Let's see the yearning. Let's see the, but I still know I made the right decision. Let's see the character growth and development and how Hattie's becoming an independent woman that she loves, but realizing that she can still have a man and how Lucian is realizing like, yo, what I did was super messed up. And I actually do regret it, even though previously in the book, I said I did not regret it. And so like, I need to see that instead of just a few paragraphs saying, yes, this happened. Now, I will say probably why this all didn't happen is that the book itself is already 400 pages long. It's, yeah, 404 pages long, basically. And so at that point, you really can't write a romance novel longer than that. A Rogue of One's Own was maybe 30 pages longer, and that book did feel kind of long. Like, a romance usually is kind of short, which, like, you know, they're short and sweet. But, like, I didn't... I thought that this was a good length except for the end. So I wonder if there if there's some deleted scenes of like of Hattie in France and Lucien in London and like what's going on while they're separated that I would be interested in because I think that really would have added something and I understand why they couldn't do it because of time constraint like page length constraints basically like I'm sure the editor was like no I don't I don't need this to be any longer. Like, we can't have this part in there. But, like, like I said, I overall like this book. And I'll talk about her leaving in a second. But, like, like why I think that was, like, good. But, like, it just felt very out of left field, not, not well developed in a way that I th- would have rather it just been left out. However, I think it is important that she left and that Lucien had to actually agree and sign, like, a legal document saying that it was fine. At any point, he could have called her back, and if she didn't go, she would have been, like, arrested and put in jail or something like that. So that is super messed up, first of all. Let's not, let's not gloss over that. That is a messed up practice that in 1881, I think it was 1881 that this book is, yeah, it's mostly, it's said in 1880, 1881, that that is what English women had to deal with. And I'm sure that was pretty standard practice across the entire world. So, or at least the Western world, I'm not sure. So that's messed up, man. We don't vibe with that. However, so like it is good. And I do think that the fact that the marriage, she was trapped into it. She didn't really have a say. He knew he was doing this and he was going to use her and he didn't really care. That's messed up, man. That is truly messed up. And so I understand why she does need that space. And also, as an independent woman of the 21st century, I understand that it is important to be alone and not under the control of a father, husband, brother, whatever. And so I don't begrudge her the time to do that. It just felt weirdly placed in here. And so like Dunmore explains kind of like the historical background and the fact that what Hattie does is actually like a thing that women could potentially get. Oh, let's see. It was called a writ of restitution of conjugal rights. No. Wait, 
No, that was when the abandoned spouse made them come back. It's, oh, it was just called the legal separation. So she says, this is like a quote from the author's note. I felt it was crucial for her to feel free from any legal hold a man might have over her for once in her life and to only relinquish this freedom at a point of her own choosing. The legal separation she proposed gave her that opportunity or option, that option. And so I agree with her that that was important for Hattie and her character development. But like I've said, and like I've been saying for minutes and minutes now, that it just felt like it came out of nowhere. And I'm not really sure what more I can say about it. I do think it was important for her to do that. And I understand and I accept that decision. But it came out of nowhere. It truly did. And I needed it to either A, not happen. But I understand why it was important, especially for a book series that is about feminists, suffragists, suffragists, women's rights. And now we're also talking about mine safety and the lower class and non-landed people and non-rich people which is so cool so like i understand why that needs to happen in a book like this this is not bridgerton okay although i do love bridgerton the tv show have not read any of the books probably will not unless i can get them from free for free somewhere anyways so i understand why it had to happen but i needed either some foreshadowing some more mention or some development at the end. It really just came out of nowhere and there wasn't a lot that happened after that. So now I've talked about that for probably 10 minutes, really cutting into the time for everything else. So let's talk about the politicalness of this book. I was not expecting this book to be political at all because the the first two books do talk about politics and specifically women's rights. And more specifically, we're talking a lot about Uh, upper-class women and their rights, like duchesses, you know, things like that. And so, like, that's all good and dandy. And Hattie, like I've said before, is, like, I think I've said this in other episodes on this series, that she's the girly girl. She is the one that this doesn't really, like, she wanted a cause. She says that in Bring Down the Duke, that she's been searching for a a noble cause. And so she just stumbles into this one after a few other ones don't work. And she sticks with it because she has friends. She says in this book, she's talking to Lucy at one point, or she either, it's either when she's talking to her or has written her a letter. And it's like, I feel that I never truly understood our cause until now that I'm married and I'm trapped in this. And like, my husband has all these says and is making me do these things and whatever. And so like, It's interesting to see that we're getting, like, the amount of conversations her and Lucian had about women's rights, mining rights, and, like, safety and regulation, and the intersection of class and uh, sexism, but also class and the ability to care and fight for women's rights was super interesting. Hattie basically polls the women in the mining town about if they want to support like women's suffrage and the amended or to amend the Married Women's Property Act. And they're basically like, no, why do we care? We don't have any property. Like we'll never we're not that won't help us. And she also realizes that these women have no ability to come to these marches or to do these other things because they have to stay and work in the mines and take care of their children and cook and clean and do all these things. So she's realizing that it's really like what she's been able to do is very much dependent on her social standing. And that was really cool because the other like really big change in Hattie that we're seeing is that she's growing in her mindset and understanding 
politics and class and intersectionality. And that's also interesting because I talked a little bit in the A Rogue of One's Own episode about how people have criticized the series, not a lot of people, but I was really digging into reviews online for not being that intersectional, not having intersectional feminism, stuff like that, which true, but also at the time that didn't really exist. So I get it, but also we don't live in that time. So we could add it in here. And Dunmore really did add it in there. Now, she's not adding in anything about people of color, specifically women of color. However, she is adding in that class dimension that we've previously not seen at all. And that is a really big and important intersection in um, these issues and how they work and who can do what and things like that. So that was really interesting. I actually really enjoyed it a lot. Like I said, it was super unexpected because Hattie's the least political of the four women. But I was like, you know what? I'm here for it. And I really actually enjoyed all those conversations her and Lucian had. Um, Let's see. What do I want to talk about? Briefly, we're going to talk about the consummating the marriage and then the love interests and then the friends and what's next. Because I am at about 29 minutes right now. So I am running out of time but also time is a construct and I decide how long this episode is not time okay so I thought I didn't really know what was going to happen like I knew they were getting married and consummating the marriage was an important thing that they needed to do for a for a moment after they don't consummate the marriage Hattie's asking for an annulment and so like not consummating the marriage is important for that but then when she ends up relenting Lucien's like that's gonna make asking for an annulment harder and she's like I'll deal with that later but like I very much respected that Lucien respected her and her choices and was like you decide like once Hattie's like no no I'm not ready he backs off immediately and is like you decide even though he does not want to stop he does and we love consent and listening to your partner. So we do applaud Lucian for that, although he does do a lot of shady shit. That is one thing that he did right. So we love that. It was interesting because she leaned in. That's like a refrain. Like she leaned into that kiss that made her marry him. And so I actually wasn't sure if I, I was like, is he going to force her? Really glad that didn't happen. Are they going to agree to consummate the marriage? But she's kind of reluctant about it, but she's like, it's my wifely duty. Were they going to both be super enthusiastic about it or was it not going to happen? And it ends up not happening. And I actually thought that was a really good choice because then it only did happen when they were in a good place and they finally were coming to an understanding and were like talking and thinking about things and whatever. So I actually really enjoyed that. Um, I will say, going back to this whole thing about the ending coming out of nowhere, we probably could have cut out some of these sex scene times and used that those pages for uh, creating the France-London separation time. But, like, I get it. It is interesting because the first book is the shortest and the first book also has the least amount of sex scenes in it. They really, they only have sex the one time well the one scene and there are some making out and some you know third base action that happens throughout the first book but it doesn't seem to be like the second book had so much sex and I understand that that was like the plot of it but like that book could have been shorter we could have left out some of those scenes and I didn't necessarily feel the same way about this book but if I was going to be changing the 
proportions of it so I can add in this ending that I want to see, then that's probably where I would take the pages from. Interesting thought I had while reading this was about the male love interest in these three books. And so if you'll remember, the love interest in the first book is Sebastian and he is described as cold, commanding, aloof, whatever. Second love interest is Tristan who's described as a rogue and as kind of like a flirt, a rake, whatever. Third love interest here in this book, we have Lucian, who is described as rough around the edges, kind of mysterious, also dangerous, maybe not a nice guy. And for some reason, my mind just had a galaxy brain moment and I was like, bro, bro, these three men are the Victorian time stereotypes of the CEO, playboy, and mafia slash mob stories we see today. I literally, I feel so smart for making this connection because typically the CEO, if you read a lot of romance, you'll recognize these like tropes. Like those are three like big ones. Like the CEO is typically like kind of a cold commanding guy, like strict, whatever. Sebastian, the playboy sleeping around with all the women, maybe some men, typically not in these romance novels, but Tristan was. And, you know, devil may care, playboy, Tristan, mm. mafia, dangerous, into the black market dealings, a lot of times is trapping the main girl love interest into not always a marriage, but some sort of relationship. Maybe there's some kidnapping, things like that. Hmm. Who does that sound like? What plot does that kind of revolve around? <laughs> Lucian is the mafia lead mobster guy, the Don, whatever. He's the leader of the mafia. Not really, but like also. Hmm. And so like, I, oh, I will say that what does it say about me? If we're saying that the three, we're translating these three men into CEOs, playboys, and mafias, everybody here, you probably know that Sebastian's my fave. I mean, I'm going to take the CEO over the playboy and the mafia man hands down. However, I will be taking Lucian over Tristan, even though Lucian trapped Hattie into marriage and that is problematic, but I still like him as a character more than Tristan, who I cannot stand. Finally, two quick things about the friends. Now, I complained about this in the A Rogue of One's Own episode, that we are barely seeing the friends at all. And if I was upset then, then you think I would be furious in this book because Annabelle doesn't even feature at all. And we all know she's my fave, although I really enjoyed Hattie a lot. And I think that the reason I didn't like the second book is just that I didn't care for Tristan at all. And I didn't care that much for Lucy, whereas I loved Annabelle and Sebastian, loved their book. Love Hattie and like slash love Lucian, love their book. I think we see where this disconnect is happening. Anyways, so Annabelle doesn't really show up at all because her and Sebastian are in France when she's in, when Hattie is in London and then they're in London when she's in Scotland. Catronia shows up at the beginning. Lucy shows up in the middle and there's a letter from Lucy. Valentine also shows up. That's Tristan and talks to um, Lucy and about whatever. And I loved Lucian even more after this because he was like, Valentine is the worst. I don't actually like him at all. And I was like, bro, me either. I don't like him at all, all either. Anyway, so the friends barely show up at all, but I didn't actually mind because of the fact that I thought the storyline was interesting 
We don't need to see them at this point because they've already been established. I'm already hooked into the series. I'm already going to buy the next book, whatever it might be about. And so we have all that going on for it. There was also some interesting side characters in Scotland as well as this Aoife lady I talked about earlier. And so like that was okay. Now, would I have loved to see the friends more? Absolutely. Am I upset we didn't? No, I'm actually not. And so that feels good. Some good writing, some good choices. What is this next book going to be about? I don't know. Very upset about it. The other two books had a preview of the next chapter of the first chapter of the next book in them. This book doesn't. There's nothing online about what the next book's going to be about. We can only assume that the fourth book will be about Catriona because she's the last of these four friends who has not found her love, you know? And I did a little bit of research prior to this because I was like, can I find anything? I could not. However, a few people on Goodreads are saying that there is an article in France slash in French and Dunmore says that Peregrine, who is Sebastian's younger brother, you might remember from the first book, and that Catriona's had this huge crush on, is not going to be her love interest. That's not that surprising to me because I felt like that was puppy love. I feel like what's going to happen is this other man, she's going to end up enlisting some other man to make him jealous, but then fall in love with him, like a typical trope like that. Somebody else, interestingly, on Goodreads was like, what if her love interest is a woman? Because in the other two books, whoever the male lead will be in the next book was introduced. There's not really any people introduced here that seem like they could carry over and be another lead. So I don't know. That is kind of interesting. I'm very excited about it though and I can't wait for next September when it comes out hopefully. And so I need to wrap this up. So please tell me your thoughts, opinions on this book, this episode, my podcast, blah 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 by either DMing me at I read a book once blog on Instagram. Also follow me while you're there. I post about once to week once twice a week. Um, you can also email me at iReadBookOnceBlog at gmail.com. And then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, like, whatever, review this podcast. It would mean so, so much to me. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that I am posting this a month, probably after I record it. So I do not know what the next episode you're going to hear will be because I'm not sure what I'll have read after this and with all these things going on. So it's going to be a surprise, but I'm sure it'll be great. This was I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and I'll catch you guys next time.